Best win of the season for the New York Rangers and quite possibly the craziest regular season hockey game that I have ever watched. The Rangers uh, outlast the Calgary Flames 5-4 in overtime. Alexi Lafreniere with the game-winning goal in the overtime period. Filipito continuing his ascent towards superstardom. We had Jacob Truba pretty much wrecking the entire Flames team and doing so cleanly, or at least what I thought was cleanly. We're going to talk about all this stuff and more. Four fights in the game, talking about all that and more on today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 766 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I mentioned just a second ago that uh, this might quite possibly be, uh, A, the craziest hockey game, regular season hockey game, that I have ever seen. Playoffs are in a whole category of their own, so I won't go that far as saying it's the craziest I've ever seen. But for regular season, quite possibly. This game had absolutely everything, and obviously a thrilling, dramatic win for the Rangers. And also, uh, uh, very possibly the most impressive win of the season uh, for the New York Rangers. It's either this or the win against the Dallas Stars. And it's kind of just a quick episode opening debate here looking at those two games you know the Stars game was improbable because the Rangers were down uh for the entire game they never led in that game until they scored the overtime game winner uh, you know they got their goalie pulled they're, they're working their tails off the final shift of that game just to maintain possession you've got Keandre Miller scoring with less than a second remaining to uh tie that game send it to overtime and then Adam Fox with the heroics in the overtime period so that one was more improbable and it had um, you know, the, the last second heroics, and it was very dramatic in that respect. This game wasn't as, I would say, surprising that the Rangers won it. But in terms of just being down in the weeds and just being part of just a crazy, nasty, chippy, uh, fast-paced, out-of-control hockey game, uh, I think this one takes the cake here. I would put this probably at number one ahead of the Dallas Stars uh, win that the Rangers had a little bit earlier this season. Both very dramatic, both fantastic in their own right, but to me, uh, for all the reasons I just mentioned, just the chippiness factor and the fa- the fact that this felt like a playoff game for pretty much the whole way through, I got to give the edge to this one. Best win of the season for the New York Rangers, and obviously something that you hope will be a tone setter for this team in the second half of the season here. And the kind of game that... You know, to begin with, I think the Rangers have a very tight-knit locker room, just watching these guys interact with each other, listening to them in, you know, pregame interviews, postgame press conferences, whatever it might be. Uh, I just get the sense that this is a very close-knit bunch, but this is also the kind of game that can just bring you that much closer together. Because like I said, it it was wild. I mean, the amount of hitting, the amount of fights, the momentum swings, uh, back and forth. You had a controversial goal that the Flames scored that was held up. Uh, You have the captain of the Rangers, Jacob Truba, dishing out all these, these punishing hits, getting into fights, a couple other fights in addition to that. And I said coming into this game, I really felt like, you know, the Rangers, they got to be ready. They got to be ready to, you know, battle for this one because the Flames coming into this game, for anybody that missed it, I mentioned this in the past, but they were coming out of the All-Star break tied with the Colorado Avalanche for the second wild card spot in the Western Conference, a.k.a. the final playoff spot. So you know this is a big game for them. 
Uh, both teams are refreshed. You know the Flames are going to come out and uh, do everything that they can possibly do to get two points. Uh, they indeed did that, but the Rangers uh, forced them to settle for just one point. The game went overtime, and the Rangers won. So I had a feeling the Rangers were going to have to dig deep and, and obviously you know, play hard to win this game. Uh, but I was not ready for this. I don't think anybody was ready for uh, the exact kind of game that unfolded uh, in this one. But, you know, to, to kind of get things rolling here and, and just kind of, um, you know, look at the biggest highlights from this game, I think any time that you have a game that ends in overtime, you pretty much have to start there. Uh, and I figure we might as well go ahead and do that. Talk about uh, the big finish to this game, the way that the third period wrapped up, uh, Rangers giving up the lead, finding a way to tie it, and then, of course, winning it in the overtime period. So, I want to start with the game-tying goal for the Flames. Rangers went into the third period with a 3-2 lead. Uh, you've got the Flames in deep, and uh, Mangiapane scores. There was some gray area here as to whether this was an example of the player turning his skate and redirecting the puck with his skate, which is legal, or if it was a distinct kicking motion that knocked the puck into the net. I have to say that I, I do think there was something of a kicking motion here. The problem when you're looking at plays like this is just that there's no consistency with the NHL. You know, this will be ruled a goal, and then, you know, tomorrow night there will be a game where a player, you know, doesn't make as much of a forward motion with his skate as Mangiapane did here, and they'll overturn it and say no goal. That's the issue that I think a lot of fans have is there just doesn't seem to be any consistency when it comes to reviews like this. Goalie interference, that's a whole other story in and of itself, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about that rule whenever something like that happens in a Ranger game at some point this season. You know, goalie interference, no goalie interference. But here, I wasn't as upset about this as I think a lot of Ranger fans were, uh, you know, online. There's some gray area because it's not like, you know, Mangiapane wound back like he was kicking a 50-yard field goal and just booted it into the net. It wasn't like that. You know, he kind of just moved his skate forward a little bit. Uh, to me, that still constitutes a kicking motion, and I feel like this is something that the NHL has called pretty tightly in the past. Whenever there's anything where it looks like the skate is moving forward and that results in the puck going to the net off the skate, they tend to not allow the goal to count. Um, but in this case... You know, again, it's not like he wound back and just absolutely booted the puck, but the skate was clearly moving forward. I guess maybe the refs or, you know, the situation room in Toronto, the one thing you could rule here if you want to keep this as a goal is that maybe they could determine, maybe they did determine that Mangiapane moved his skate forward, but by the time that the puck made contact with his skate, uh, his skate was no longer moving forward in a kicking motion. I'm kind of just grasping at straws here and trying to understand a, a rule that has a lot of gray area and is not called with any uh, sort of consistency. But again, I'm not as upset about this as I think a lot of other Ranger fans were. Uh, he moved his you know, skate forward and redirected it into the net. I do think there was something of a kicking motion there and that it probably should have been overturned. I would lean a little bit that way. But to me, this is not as clear-cut as you know a lot of people were making it, simply because, again, there's just no consistency uh, with the NHL when it comes to these kinds of calls. So they have to figure it out, and they have to uh, start calling these things a little bit more consistently. But I just never know, man. You know, It goes to replay. We think we're seeing something. We think there's enough there for a call to be overturned. Not just this call, not just in Ranger games, pretty much across the league. And it doesn't get overturned or... You know, you see a replay and, oh, that call has to stand because there's no definitive evidence. And they, they determined that there is definitive evidence. I have no idea. But bottom line, this goal counted. It was 3-3 three to three at that point. And then just 2-0-3 later, you've got a one-timer uh, for Stone. Uh, makes it 4-3 to three in favor of Calgary. Rangers got caught in a line change. And that's something else about this game. You know, as fiercely contested as it was and as entertaining as it was and as fun as it was to get this win, 
you know, both teams made a decent amount of mistakes, and both teams scored goals off of the mistakes of their opponent. You know, this is a good example here. Calgary scoring uh, off of a you know, kind of sloppy line change by the Rangers. The Rangers took a too many men penalty that led to a Calgary goal. Uh, one of the Filipino goals was set up when uh, the Calgary player basically shanked his pass and gift-wrapped uh, a breakaway opportunity for Filipino, which is not something you want to be doing if you're playing the Rangers right now. You do not want to uh, gift-wrap any kind of a scoring opportunity to Filipino because he's going to convert the, the way that he's been going lately. But yeah, um, obviously, you know, the, the Flames taking advantage of a Ranger mistake here. Then... You know, I noticed there was a long offensive zone shift for the Panarin Mika Vizi line right after the Flames made it 4 3. Good push by the Rangers here. Then on their next shift after this, the long ozone shift for that trio, uh, you've got Panarin passing from behind the net in front to Mika Zibanejad. Uh, Panarin basically was in the corner, faked a defenseman out of his skates. Uh, looked like he was going to carry the puck behind the net, but he actually passed before he got to the net. It was looking for sure like he was going to go around behind, but he stopped short of doing that. Pass in front to Mika. Mika was wide open, and he converts from the doorstep. So 4-4 four to four with 7.05 remaining. Then we're getting later in the third period, and you've got Trocek uh, tripping his guy in the neutral zone. And the Flames go to the power play, which is 2.41 remaining. I've kind of been hinting at this throughout the season, and now I, I feel completely comfortable simply asserting this. Vincent Trocek takes more bad penalties than any player on the New York Rangers. And I don't even think it's really that close. And I like Trocek. I like every aspect of Vincent Trocek's game, except for this. He's got to stop doing this. You know, there's no need for this to happen. The penalty occurred in the neutral zone and and closer to Calgary's, you know, zone than the Rangers zone. Um, in fact, it was just in front of the Calgary blue line. So barely into the neutral zone. It was almost an offensive zone penalty against Trocek, but there's just no reason for this. And I realize, you know, Trocek, He's a gritty, scrappy player. He wants to get in your face. He wants to make life difficult. And in this case, I'm sure he wanted to not just concede a rush up the ice, but the Rangers had guys back. There was no need to do this. It's not like the Flames were about to score a goal or anything like that. And you give them a power play opportunity in a tie game with 2.41 remaining, a uh, chippy, nasty game that you know both teams really, really want to win, and you give wrap them an opportunity. Fortunately, uh, Trocek was picked up by uh, the Ranger penalty killers. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. One of the best penalty kill shifts uh, that you will see uh, pretty much anywhere at any time. Uh, so the Rangers start with Fox, Lindgren, Mika, and Kreider. The Flames win the faceoff. I, I believe they actually hit the post somewhere in here, but you've got uh, VZ and Goodrow. They... We're working their tails off once they got onto the ice. Um, you know, the puck was just inside the Ranger blue line, but it was along the boards, and they were both there fighting and battling. Uh, Goodrow eventually sent the puck down the ice for a clear. Uh, you also had Lindgren then blocking a shot and clearing the puck on his own. Uh, and then Jimmy Vesey with another big play. Uh, he steals the puck, clears it down the ice. And then we also got a steal from Keandre Miller. You got Mika Zibanejad skating around with the puck, uh, basically just to kill off the last 10 or 15 seconds or however much time was left there. So just fantastic stuff all around. And then the game ends, final 10 seconds. Uh, you got Filipito maybe looking for a hat trick. Great play by Chris Kreider in the neutral zone. He steals the puck. He goes in with Heedle, passes to his left to Heedle. Heedle, instead of shooting, uh, passes to his right, back to Kreider, kind of forced the pass there, and it didn't work. And man, I, I really wish he would have shot that there. Can you imagine getting, I mean, first of all, game-winning goal with about 10 seconds remaining, but also to complete the hat trick and uh, basically announce to the hockey world that, you know, I have arrived. That would be what, what it would have been for, for Philip Heedle uh, in this situation. 
Uh, didn't happen, but fortunately, the Rangers got the uh, the win in the overtime period. We're going to keep everything rolling, talk about the overtime period, a whole bunch of other stuff as well, including you know all the fights that happened in this game, all the big hits, pretty much everything. A lot happened in this game, as you guys are uh, by now uh, obviously very well aware. Anybody who watched it was already aware, and even if you missed this game, I'm sure you heard about some of the craziness uh, that happened by this point. But we're going to do all that good stuff in just a second. First, though, we got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything, from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, let's keep everything rolling here. Talk a little bit about this uh, crazy overtime period. Rangers uh, pretty much dominated. I mean, it didn't last for that long. Uh, Mika Zibanejad and Alexi Lafreniere saw to that. But I thought this was a great job by Gerard Gallant here. Uh, starting Philip Heedle in the overtime, my only reservation about that is you know that Philip Heedle is not a good face-off guy, and you also know uh, how important puck possession is in the overtime period. You can lose the opening face-off and never touch the puck a single time in the overtime period. Uh, we have seen that happen before. We saw it happen to the Rangers a little bit earlier this season uh, against Toronto. Um, and it, obviously it happens around the league as well. But uh, Filipino being rewarded for an outstanding game. And also, I, I kind of saw this as maybe a little bit of a pat on the back from the coaching staff to Heedle, because Heedle knew that he should have shot there uh, when him and Kreider had that rush at the end of regulation. He did not do it. But he takes the faceoff. He's out there with Panarin and Fox. He loses the faceoff. Uh, good news is the Rangers recover it fairly quickly. Uh, Fox gets control of the puck behind the Ranger net. Rangers move it up the ice. Uh, Panarin with a sneaky shot that was turned aside. You got Panarin passing to Fox. Uh, Fox behind the net in front to Philip Heedle with another pass. Heedle's shot is blocked. You know, the, the goalie was out of position. Markstrom was down, and uh, Flames skater got down and, and blocked the shot from Philip Heedle. Might have momentarily saved the game there. Heedle later had another chance on a rebound that was also stopped. But then you get a play stoppage. You got Mika, Miller, and Kreider out there together. Uh, Kreider and Mika take the puck away behind the Calgary net, but then the Flames got it back just as quickly. You've got Kadri taking a shot, hits his own guy. I believe it was Mangiapane in front of the net. So this results in a rush for the Rangers the other way. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere picks up the puck. You know, he's zipping up the right side there. Uh, great pass to his left to Mika Zibanejad. Mika with the one-timer just absolutely blasted it. I thought that was game right then and there. It was turned aside. Uh, Lafreniere by this point, his momentum had carried him uh, behind the goal line, but a nice job, uh, you know, recognizing the situation, getting back out there, finding the rebound before the Flames could get to it uh, for Alexi Lafreniere, uh, picks up the puck. He knows that Markstrom's kind of out of position. Uh, when Lafreniere got the puck, his back was to the net, so he turns a little bit to his right, fires it at the net, and gets it in. 
And uh, just like that, the Rangers win 5-4. to four. Alexi Lafreniere's second career uh, game-winning overtime goal. And uh, just a fantastic win for the New York Rangers. That That's one of those that, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be up there at the end of the season. It might be the best one that the Rangers get all season. I think right now, like I said, it's either this or the Dallas Stars game. Uh, Rangers did an awesome job in overtime, just pretty much dominated from the opening uh, faceoff. Got the win here. Got two big points. And uh, that's a hell of a way to start the uh, post-All-Star break if you're the New York Rangers. Just a fantastic win. Cannot say enough about uh, the job that the Rangers did in this game. And I figure, you know, now that we've kind of talked about how this game ended and all the heroics at the end of this game, let's get to fight night, shall we? Because, I mean, we, we could honestly make the whole episode about everything that happened here. But I'm going to do my best to talk about this, get to some other things as well. But so, you know, the game starts and, you know, both teams kind of finding their legs a little bit in the first couple of minutes. It's been a while since, you know, anybody's played because you had the all-star break. Um, but then you have a situation where, you know, Panarin made a really nifty move around his guy going up the left side into the Calgary zone. His centering pass was intercepted. Flames skate out with it. And then Truba just absolutely levels his guy in open ice right at the Calgary blue line. Truba is immediately attacked by Taven. Uh, Truba lands a couple of early punches. This fight got broken up a little bit quicker than, you know, I, I think they that most fights typically do. Um, but... My first thought, and the announcers were talking about this too, has to be an extra two minutes on uh, Tanev. You know, you can't, I said Taven a second ago, Tanev. Um, you, you can't be attacking people like this after a clean hit and not have any kind of a punishment for it, not have any kind of repercussions for it. And fortunately, um, you know, the Rangers did get to the power play after that. This hit was as clean as it gets. I mean, there, there's no way, the, the biggest Ranger hater out there, the biggest Truba hater out there cannot look at this hit and possibly say that it was dirty. Uh, you know, he didn't go after the head or anything like that, didn't launch himself. It was just a, a big, tough physical hit. And, you know, Truba should not have to, to fight for his life every time he delivers a hit like this. So, you know, the Rangers go to the power play. You really want them to, to make them pay. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, the Rangers coming into this game, two for the last 24 on the power play, they were not able to uh, to convert here. So that was unfortunate. Um, but then we get another fight, or, or two fights technically, later in the first period. Uh, so Lucic is hit in the neutral zone by Sammy Blay. Uh, they call a penalty against Sammy Blay. Blay is then attacked by Zdarnoff. Uh, then Lucic, he's also trying to get at Blay while Blay is down on the ice. Then you've got Cooley and Uyghur. They start fighting, you know, off to the side a little bit. Uh, Lucic was getting in Sammy Blay's face while Blay was being escorted to the penalty box. And, you know, this one, it was a little bit harder to tell, I think, if you're the Flames, whether this was a clean hit or not. But what was interesting is, you know, they're figuring out, you know, who's getting a penalty for fighting and who's getting a penalty for instigating and, you know, how many, what, what should be the punishment for Sammy Blay here. They actually reviewed everything and they determined that Sammy Blay, that was a legal hit. So Blay doesn't end up being in the penalty box at all, which is kind of ironic because the hit by Blay was what started the, the entire thing here. And obviously, it, you know, at this point, uh, the powder keg is basically just exploded. And uh, this you already know this is going to be a crazy, chippy, nasty game uh, the rest of the way. So... Yeah, I mean, the Rangers get another power play out of this whole thing here because, again, Sammy Blay, his, his hit was deemed legal. You keep playing, and uh, unfortunately, Rangers not able to convert on this power play either. So, yeah, as I'm thinking about this now, there, there were now three different instances. There ends up being three different instances in this game where the Flames, due to, you know, not being able to handle a hit by the Rangers, end up putting themselves shorthanded. And the third time was the charm for the Rangers. And let's go ahead and talk about that because at this point, like I said, already— Two different incidents that included three different fights. Will Cooley, by the way, uh, now with two fights in his first three NHL games. Um, and that's another thing that I want to talk about here as a quick aside. 
you know, I miss Ryan Reeves to an extent. I, I think he did a nice job while he was here. I think he in, instilled a little bit of toughness, a little bit of swagger, a little bit of personality into this Ranger team. And obviously he is not somebody that you want to mess with. But this idea that uh, the Rangers are, you know, ill-equipped to play physical hockey and they don't have anybody that can fight and they're going to get pushed around in the playoffs. Uh, I don't see that at all. The last time I checked, the Rangers were pretty high up there in terms of most hits in the league. And I realize, you know, physicality, it's not just about hitting, but the hit stat is a good place to start when you're looking at physicality. And as far as fighting and enforcers go, I mean, Truba's obviously going to fight if the occasion calls for it. We've seen Braden Schneider fight. We've seen Lindgren fight. Barclay Goodrow will fight. Apparently, Will Cooley is more than happy to fight if the situation calls for it. Uh, I believe Blay has, has gotten into fights in the past. I mean, I don't know. With his knee the way that it is, I think maybe defer to somebody else. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, that that's not an issue for this Ranger team at all. I, I think they're ready to go toe-to-toe physically with anybody, and they're not going to be pushed around by any team uh, in this league. But getting away from the detour here, getting back to the third fight of this game. So this one... Uh, whether you're a Ranger fan or a Flames fan or just a general hockey fan, there's a very good chance that you've seen this hit by Jacob Truba right now. I mean, this is one that, I mean, I audibly reacted to this. I, when he delivered this hit, I just said, oh my God. Like, I mean, he absolutely just, uh, who was it that he got? He got Kadri. And, uh, you know, Kadri's carrying the puck over the blue line and Truba just explodes through him. I mean, I mean, as big of a hit as you will see in a hockey game, pops Kadri's helmet off of his head. And then you've got Doobie uh, jumping Jacob Truba. Truba takes him down, clearly won the fight, fourth fight of the game. Now, as far as the hit here for Truba, in the Flames' slight defense, I, I will say that this one was a little bit tougher to tell. Uh, the first Truba hit, like I said, there, there's not a person on this planet that, that can say that that is a dirty hit. This one, I think, was clean as well. It looked like it was shoulder to shoulder, but everything happens really fast out there. And it's not like Truba missed uh, Kadri's head by that much. So I can see the Flames taking exception and wanting to jump in there. Um, but it was to their own detriment because, once again, they got the instigator penalty, the Rangers go to the power play, and they're able to convert. But uh, to me, you know, watching this replay and trying to slow it down, and you know, did he get his head at all? Did Truba get Kadri's head at all? Uh, I do not believe that he did. And, you know, to kind of back up my point here, if Truba, you, you guys saw how hard he hit Kadri on this play. If Truba had made that kind of contact with Kadri's neck, or his chin, or his face, uh, Kadri would not have gotten back up as fast as he did. I, I really don't believe he would have. And I'm not saying this as a way to, like, gloat about the hit itself. I, I'm saying this as a, in a very practical way here. Like, the NHL would have stepped in, and, you know, the whole concussion protocol thing. Kadri, if they determined that Kadri took this hit in the neck, the chin, the face, the head, in any way, very, very good chance, you know, they're, they're going to buzz the, the, you know, from the situation room or whatever it is and have Kadri leave the game and go into concussion protocol. Kadri was fine. You know, he popped right back up after this. I mean, you could tell, like, he, he felt it for sure, but I don't think he missed a single shift after this. And, uh, you know, we kept playing and, you know, Doobie jumped Truba. Truba handled his business. I mean, look, if somebody's going to attack you and start swinging fists, you got to fight back. And that's what Truba did. Rangers go to the power play. And the third time was the charm here. It was 2-2 two two at this point in the game, late in the second period. You've got Kreider uh, getting a pass to Mika on the other side of the net, and Mika scores with just 14 seconds remaining in the second period. Uh, Panarin got this whole thing started. Really, every Ranger power play member, uh, you know, had a hand in this one, but 
You've got Panarin uh, hitting Kreider while Kreider was coming out in front of the Ranger net from behind the net. And then that's when Kreider made just a beautiful no-look pass over to the other side to Mika Zibanejad. Uh, Mika cranks at home. 3-2 Rangers going into the third period. And that obviously set the stage for uh, what was a crazy third period and even crazier overtime and a very dramatic win for the New York Rangers. But I want to keep everything going in just a second. We've got to talk about uh, Heedle's ascent, his, his fantastic game here, and uh, essentially what has become his climb to stardom in this league. Also want to talk a little bit about some of the lineup decisions and uh, Yaroslav Halak making his second straight start, bookending the All-Star break. He, he got the last game before the break, got the uh, first game after the break. So we're going to talk about all that in just a second. But first, we just got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I use Athletic Greens literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. Now I've been on it for about nine months, and I absolutely love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy, has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to, each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It is lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it costs you less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health, and it is cheaper than your cold brew habit. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so let's talk about Filipino, shall we? I mean, this, this is just an incredible season that he's putting together, uh, becoming one of the driving forces of this New York Ranger team and one of the biggest reasons why they got their season turned around after going through some really dark times, you know, in the fall there. Uh, just, just putting it all together, putting all the pieces together in what is, you know, I guess technically it would be considered his fourth season, but he's played parts of now five seasons with the New York Rangers. If there was any doubt remaining, uh, it was a race in this game. This is officially Filipino's breakout season with the New York Rangers. He gets goals number 17 and 18, the first two goals of the game for the Rangers. And again, I've talked about this recently, but just a more confident, more assertive. You can tell just by looking at him. You can tell just by the way he carries himself. Uh, he's feeling it right now. He's confident. He knows he belongs in this league. He knows he can be a heck of a player in this league. And, and the best thing about Philip Hedl for me, one of the best things, there's a lot to like about Philip Hedl right now and everything that he's doing. But to me, it's just the fact that when he gets a scoring opportunity, you feel like he's going to convert. You feel like that puck is going into the net. And it didn't really feel like this way last year. When, when Filipino would get a scoring opportunity last year, oftentimes from a high danger spot on the ice, it was amazing how many times he would shoot wide. And I don't know if that's just a confidence thing, if it's overthinking it, if it's trying to be too fine with your shot instead of just you know letting it rip and, and letting your, your shot you know do the work for you almost. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the issue was, but so many times where, I mean, Hito would be like, you know, seven or eight feet in front of the net, and he'd miss the net by like three feet. So uh, he's obviously turned that around, fixed that part of his game. Pretty much just a 180 this year, uh, shattering his career highs in every possible relevant stat. And uh, once again, becoming one of the driving forces uh, of this New York Ranger team. Pending, uh, I was going to say UFA, pending RFA, Rangers are going to have to figure something out with Philip Hedl. Uh We will see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, but yeah, very, very nice to see him reaching his potential. And then the other funny thing here too is, you know, Philip Hedl, now in kind of his fifth season, you know, if you, if you count that first season where he only played nine games, fifth season with the team, and you kind of think like, okay, well, he's finally getting there. Yeah, Philip Hedl's still only 23 years old, and I think he turned 23 uh, not really all that long ago. So uh, it's crazy, you know, it's crazy how long he's been here, how young he still is, and uh, the fact that, you know, he, he's just reached a whole other level this season. This is what we've been talking about when it comes to, you know, the kids, uh, Hedl, Lafreniere, and Kako. The Rangers truly become dangerous, truly become bonafide Stanley Cup contenders when one or two or preferably all of those players take their game to that that next level, take a, a hop, skip, and a leap forward instead of just baby steps forward. We are now getting that from Philip Hedl. Kako has shown signs that he's about to get there this season. Lafreniere has been more confident since he's been with, you know, back with the kid line. So hopefully the other two will follow suit. But man, Philip Hedl just on a whole other level and uh, by far the best season that he has ever had uh, for the New York Rangers. Go by the stats, go by the eye test, go by whatever you want. Philip Hedl has taken his game to a whole other level. And while we're talking about Phil, might as well go ahead and talk about the two goals that he scored here, giving the Rangers a 1-0 lead and then later a 2-1 lead. So... First goal of the game, you got Adam Fox moving the puck into the neutral zone to Capo Caco. Caco with a, a beautiful pass off the boards. He clearly got an A in geometry, uh, but he springs Philip Hedl into the attacking zone. Uh, you got Hedl and Laf Lafreniere flying into the zone. Uh, Hedl could have forced a pass here. Instead, just snaps a quick shot into the far side of the net. Number 17 for Philip Hedl. And, you know, again, there's times where the Rangers in this situation will look to force that pass. And who knows? Maybe if Hedl... Uh, passes to Lafreniere. Lafreniere would have scored. It would have worked out great anyway. Uh, but that was going to be a tough pass to complete. The defenseman was there. Filipino recognized that. Didn't hesitate. Shot the puck and scores into the far side of the net. Then the second goal, uh, I alluded to this one earlier when I was talking about some of the miscues that each team made. Uh, but the Flames just shank a pass. Filipino picks it up at the Ranger blue line. Goes in up the left side on a breakaway and scores five hole. I think he shot this a little bit earlier than maybe Markstrom was uh, expecting him to. Uh, but hey, great, great move by Filipino there. He scores. And something else that I love here is I've always kind of marveled at Filipino's speed. And I've also kind of cited that as one of the reasons why I wouldn't mind seeing him play uh, a little bit more wing um, as opposed to center. But I mean, the way he's playing right now, I'm not going to move him either. I'm not going to move him away from the position where he's excelling. But you saw that speed on full display here uh, on both goals. You know, that, that was a huge part of why Hedl uh, scored each of these goals here. So uh, just great stuff all around. Once again, cannot say enough uh, about the job that Philip Hedl is doing right now. And, and to a lesser extent, the entire kid line. Those guys are feeling it lately. Uh, Hedl with the two goals, Lafreniere with the overtime winner, and uh, Capo Caco uh, with a primary assist in this game. It seems like they're always getting on the score sheet and always, uh, you know, just playing solid hockey all around. Only other thing that I want to mention here today was a couple of the lineup changes. Uh, for starters, you got Yaroslav Halak making his second straight start. He bookended, like I said, each end of the All-Star break, which is pretty interesting to see. It's funny because this was going to be like the first thing that I, that I talked about. You know, okay, that's interesting. Halak's playing two straight games and uh, a long layoff for Igor Shesterkin. But you guys saw that game. You saw how crazy it was, and you saw how much there obviously was to talk about here. So this almost becomes a little bit of an afterthought. But, you know, as far as why this happened— I, 
just to kind of throw out an idea, I would imagine that Gallant and Benoit Allaire and maybe the entire coaching staff see a benefit to Igor Shosturkin getting some extended time off here. Uh, it could also be that Igor was at the All-Star game and they're just letting him kind of settle back in and uh, went with Halak for this one. But assuming that Igor plays on Wednesday against the Canucks, uh, that will be exactly two weeks since his last game, which is a long layoff. And I, I don't know that you want your franchise goalie and, and your guy, you know, your arguably your team MVP, or at least one of the MVPs, uh, sitting for that long and not playing for that long. And I know he played in the All-Star game, but I mean, that's not even real hockey. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the exact reasoning behind it, but my best guess once again is that they're looking to keep Igor fresh. They saw with the way that the schedule was was laid out here, an opportunity to give him a lengthy break, you know, physical break, maybe even a mental break as well, and have him ready to go down the stretch here and uh, hopefully deep, deep into the playoffs as well. That's my best guess as far as why Halak has been uh, playing these games. The other reason, we, we, I mean, we got to give some props to Halak here. He's played very well recently. Uh, even in this game, for a goalie that gave up four goals, and I would say the same thing for Markstrom giving up five goals. Both goalies, I thought, made a lot of really good saves in this game. Like I said, this, this game was all over the place. It had a little bit of everything. And uh, I don't think that the high score was necessarily the result of poor goalie play. I thought they both did okay. Uh, and in some cases, made some really nice saves. But Halak had five straight wins coming into this game. Make it six in a row. And uh, has obviously uh, done a complete 180 on his season. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention real quick here before we call it is you've got Will Cooley and Sammy Blay in the lineup over Kravtsov and Gauthier. Uh, Blay went down to the Hartford Wolfpack, was averaging 20 minutes a game there, uh, had four goals in five games with the Wolfpack. You just hope that uh, his confidence is on the rise and that he can just become something of a relevant player for the New York Rangers. I, I still feel like post-trade deadline, Sammy Blay might find himself either traded or squeezed out of the lineup by one or two of the forwards that the Rangers will probably bring in. Uh, we'll see how that goes, but... Um, you know, he, he was back in the lineup for this one. Uh, Will Cooley, you know, he was out there hitting. He was playing physical. And like I said, two fights and three NHL games for Will Cooley. So, you know, he's winning over the fans and I'm sure winning over his teammates as well. As for Gautier and Kraftsoff, here's an idea that I want to float out there. Um, I think it's possible that one of these two has played his last game as a New York Ranger. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, you know, there's still a decent chance that, that we'll see one of these guys again, but there's also a pretty good chance. You know, the Rangers are carrying 23 players right now, and I would think they want to knock it back down to 22 for cap space purposes at the trade deadline. And I just get the feeling, you know, Kravtsov, he's had some chances, hasn't really done a whole lot with them. Uh, Gautier, you know, he's been up and down with this organization, and, you know, he'll show some flashes here and there, but he's yet to put it all together. Uh, Rangers obviously won this game in dramatic fashion. I don't think they'll make any changes to the lineup. And I get the feeling that maybe one of these two players could be on the move uh, in exchange for a draft pick sooner rather than later. And entirely possible that at least one of these two uh, has played his last game as a New York Ranger. Now, we'll see. It's also possible that they'll eventually mix back in and, uh, you know, they'll have a chance to reclaim a spot in the lineup. But yeah, I think it's certainly at least possible that one of them uh, could be on the move, like I said, sooner rather than later, maybe even a little bit later this week. We've seen a couple of trades go down in the NHL. It's officially that time of the year, so uh, we shall see there. But uh, yeah, I figure we could pretty much call it there for today. Uh, only other thing I want to mention, Artemi Panarin gets to 300 points in 236 games as a Ranger, uh, fastest ever for a New York Ranger. So congrats to Artemi Panarin there. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOn 
nyrangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is locked on nyrangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.